I'm not Superman's biggest fan uh, in terms of <laughs> characters because I think he kind of sucks because he's a little bit too. There's perfect. a lot of Superman stories which are the most boring comic book stories in the world. Like he's the first superhero, but I don't know. People get up their own ass about how reverential they need to be about him, yeah. which means that they just go. He cares about people. <laughs> he's a lovely man and he cares about the American way and it just becomes super boring. Yeah. And I, I guess maybe one of my other problems with it is that um, I haven't actually read a lot of Superman comics because uh, I never – I mean, I never really read a lot of comic books as a kid until I met you and Nick anyway. Mm. Uh, and you guys were very entrenched in the Marvel scene and so I started reading Marvel comics and, and never really touched DC. So most of my Superman – um, experience has been through the Christopher Reeve films yeah. and some cartoons and the, the last uh, Superman Returns with the creepy stalker outside the window <laughs> Superman, which was... Yeah. The first Superman comic I ever read was Death of Superman. Me too. Which Me too. I bought as a graphic novel just because I'd never read Superman and I hated him. <laughs> so <laughs> I just, you know, because I was super edgy teenager so i thought what better way to rebel than buying a superman comic book uh and just proving to the universe that i hate him so much that i just want to read him die uh and unfortunately it didn't help because it was just awful because it's just him punching doomsday and getting punched in return forever and he basically gets punched to death like yeah. the invincible man of steel Exactly. Got, got punched to death. You by wonder, oh, what's the interesting way they will finally end this character's life? And it's just more punching than usual, <laughs> <laughs> like across a country. <laughs> and I think at that point, the he was in the Justice League, but there were all these characters that I didn't know and they were just really, just didn't seem very exciting. That was yeah. super boring. It was like Ice and Guy Gardner and Booster Gold. And some of those I like now, but at the time I was like, they pop up for 10 seconds in this graphic novel just to demonstrate that they have no reason to be there whatsoever. Like they just rock up to go, nah, I can't help, and, then, and leave. And then Superman dies super hard. You feel a little bit like, given that he got punched to death, that they could have just done a Marvel crossover and just had the Hulk just yeah. flog the shit out of him, right? Which would have been exciting, yeah. I think. I would have been down with that. And then, you know, one more for the Marvel fanboys. Yeah. Eat shit, DC. Well, look, let's just... Uh, Briefly gesture at how weird it is to be talking into microphones and just dive right into, I reckon, like a Man of Steel review. Review. What if we, if we give like spoiler-free thoughts straight up just so if someone hasn't seen it and they want to know if they should see it, then they can just listen to this bit and then get on with their lives? Yeah, I think that's probably a good idea. We don't want to antagonise anybody in our first episode. Yeah. I'm kind of hoping for repeat listeners, not a bunch of people who just go, those bricks ruined <laughs> Superman before I even saw it. Kirk dies. It's a good <laughs> uh, So look, I'll go first. Don't see it. <laughs> there you have it, folks. And uh, we'll be back next week. <laughs> No, I think, look, I I politely said to someone I work with this week, yeah, go see it. Uh, I would suggest seeing it in the cinema, which has been my polite, which is because I never want to tell people, don't go see a film, it's balls. But <laughs> for this movie, I'm like, yeah, it's probably worth seeing on the big screen just because the main attraction is the action yeah, and the CGI. It's defi- and it stuff. is definitely a, a big screen, special effects kind of movie. Yeah, so if that floats your boat... Um, Go see it in the cinema. But I can't imagine I'll watch it again. 
no, on DVD. I, uh, I, I may rewatch it. I'm, I would imagine, given the way that they do DVDs and whatnot today, that they'll probably release a special of edition, a special of edition, a special Sweet. edition of it um, with some extra footage and stuff. So I'll probably watch that, and I wouldn't mind seeing some of the behind the scenes, yeah, stuff of how they put it together. But it's it's probably not as endearing to me as some of the superhero movies we've watched. Like I'll rewatch Avengers four thousand times because I just think it was such a great film and there's there's always sort of something extra to be had from watching it but this was you know it was it was kind of fun but yeah i'm i'm not going to fill it with uh the praise that I've, I've given to other movies that we've seen recently yeah i would i would hope that they would release one of those special editions you talk about with extra footage in the hopes that that footage contains some character development of <laughs> superman or some actual lines that he speaks to people occasionally he's for a superman movie it's actually um and i only sort of thought of this after we discussed it on tuesday is it is actually quite light on with him being superman yeah um, it's there's a lot of kind of story and i use the word story fairly loosely <laughs> um around you know how, how you know it, it is basically a two and a half hour origin movie yeah um and, and so there's a lot that goes on and you don't sort of see him till quite late in the the film i think we're, we're about to jump into the bit where we start to spoil bits and pieces for people but yeah so yeah. if you haven't seen the film and you just wanted to know if it was a recommendation uh this has probably been the worst podcast <laughs> experience ever Um, so you've got that half hour sequence at the beginning where you've got um, old Rusty Crow as um, Jarrell just kicking butt yeah, on Krypton. Just and throwing phones left, right phones and Zod imagining that he's in the hotel lobby and <laughs> smashing on with people. And so you, you chew up a good half an hour of film time before you even get to the bit where he's on, on Earth. Um, what I did like was that they, didn't, that they showed the, um, the childhood stuff uh, through flashbacks rather than, you know, in the in the Christopher Reeve film, you sort of see him as a kid and then he grows up into Clark Kent. And I like that they jump straight in and he's, he's Clark Kent and he's a bit kind of lost in his mm. way and he's rolling out the sad beard. And It's certainly a movie that starts like in an exciting place. Yeah. You know, there's some interesting stuff happening. It almost makes me wish that it was a Jor-El film. Really, like that a, ends with Superman getting shot off into space to like go. Like a total prequel kind of. Yeah. The Adventures of Jor-El. I feel like you could have made a really lean, like eighty-minute Krypton film. Yeah. Because these these guys were really like enamoured with the Kryptonian stuff. Yeah, and that was cool because I don't think we've seen um, in, in film at least we haven't seen that much of of Krypton. Mm. before like they they're sort of it's a fleeting thing at the beginning of the the other films where you sort of see it and they put him in the capsule and shoot him off to earth and and that's kind of it whereas this sort of dug a bit more into you know the technology that they have and the you know, some of the science behind why the planet's doomed and and that sort of thing so i, I can't actually kind of dug on that um let's think i mean to be fair in the past like the krypton side of superman has always been the least compelling bit to me like i to, to my mind his story starts when he lands on earth but if you're gonna i feel like the movie was trying to sort of serve two masters in terms of there's a lot of lifting to be done in terms of teaching you all about krypton mm. but then it, like because of necessity it fucking explodes <laughs> <laughs> so you can't really hang out there for the rest of the film um and i mean the theme of the film seems like the whole point of the film seems to be him trying to choose between krypton and earth and he goes oh 
like pulls the earth lever. So you've got to have a bit more investment in Krypton to make that. Yeah. That plausible. I think the other reason for it is because this is very much kind of a reset of a franchise and introducing a new audience to Superman on film um, without him being creepy and stalkerish outside of Lois's <laughs> window. Um, you kind of need to spell some of that out a bit more. And I know, you know, we had the conversation beforehand about the, um, the comic where they do the origin, like the, the Krypton bit in the three panels of him just yeah. leaving the – and it's – what were the captions again? Oh, it's something along the lines of uh, Doom Planet, Last Hope, Friendly Couple – or something, yeah. and that's Superman's origin. It's all you need to know. There's three panels of like him getting loaded into the rocket, then the planet exploding, then Mara and Park Kent finding him, and then you turn the page and Superman's like high fiving the sun or whatever. And you're like, <laughs> I'm up to speed. I yeah. know what's going on. Yeah, and so you know, I think that that probably works well where he's a bit more established in the in the comic book world, and you can get away with that. And I kind of I like that idea that you know that is such a small part of of who he is, and he is just you know. Captain Sun High Fiver. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I think with this as a standalone movie, the, the Krypton bit was kind of important and it, and it gives you a bit more of that investment when he's having the whole argument with, with inside himself and with Zod about, you know, do I choose the future of my race or do I choose, you know, the humans and Earth and that sort of thing. And you, you know, if, if you didn't have that sort of development of Krypton, if Krypton was just five minutes at the beginning where you see his parents send him off and the planet explodes, you, you're not really invested. And you're like, well, it's not really a choice, dude, because no one gives a shit about Krypton. Whereas yeah. you sort of get the movie goer a little bit more invested in the idea of this planet and it died and, you know, you, you feel the pain of Jarrell kind of trying to warn them and, and all of that sort of stuff. So I feel like for... Like that kind of works in this film for the audience because we hang out with Jarrell and we see that for some reason like he's the coolest scientist because he rides a weird bird whereas everyone else has ships or whatever. And he's tough as shit as well. Like he's yeah. not just hanging around in a white lab coat. He's punching people in the soul, which yeah. is always cool. And as we said before, Russell Crowe does a surprisingly good job in this film. It's yeah. like a weird sort of vandal savage warrior scientist I guy. I just can't help but feel that he was playing himself as a scientist. It's <laughs> just gone. They've just got him on camera and just gone, Rusty, like the Rabbitohs have just lost a, a rugby game on Friday night, have a few beers, and Zack Snyder's just gone, and action. Yeah. And he's just started belting on. It's exactly what he'd be like if he did have the ability to psychically control doors. <laughs> but I feel like for like the character of Superman in the film, because they decide to... Basically, in his life, he doesn't have anything to do with Krypton until effectively, I don't know, like four days before he has to choose between Krypton and Earth. Yeah. Like, we've seen everything, but his dad rocks up and says, oh, so you're from Krypton. It totally blew up. And then he's Superman. So, and he's not aware of the um, the Codex thing that they really wanted us to give a shit about, but I can't. Yeah. I don't know. Like, it's got people's DNA in his DNA or something. I don't think he ever figures out that that's the case. So when Zod's like, do you choose the planet that you've always lived on forever or the one that you read about in a hologram magazine <laughs> shaped like your dad two days ago, <laughs> what will you decide? The only thing you know about your, your planet is that we lived there and we're punching everyone on your planet. It doesn't seem like... Yeah, he doesn't... The honest decision that they think it is. He doesn't really get the chance to be invested in it. Although I guess you could... 
um, assume that there's a bunch of stuff that you don't see off camera where, you know, Jarrell goes into a bit more of a speech and shows him a bit more stuff. and Krypton 80s Rocky montage or something. Yeah, and you don't see it because it would be just Russell Crowe just talking for yeah. that long and, you know, he probably had just to totally go and punch on some more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, sh- I probably should say... Like I, I want to. I always want to be really apologetic to superhero films because yeah. I'm such a huge nerd and I love superheroes. <laughs> but I just found this movie really boring. Yeah, and that's the only thing that a movie shouldn't do. Like even if it's really bad, I should be able to come out and go, I was engaged by it, yep. by how angry I am or something. But there was just huge parts of this film where I was like, oh man, I'm out of skittles. <laughs> that's super lame. It's you know, I really, I, th- I think it is a struggle to do. A really good Superman movie, and that's you know that is my problem with the character is I just don't think he's interesting enough because he's he's basically indestructible. Mm. Um, he's more or less in, infallible from a you know a moral point of view. Like he's just the ultimate do-gooder, and he's in, incorruptible is is a better word than infallible. Um, like, what do you do with a character? He doesn't really have any flaws, and I think the most interesting things, especially when you do superhero movies, where you've got these guys that are you know, incredibly powerful and saving the day and that sort of thing is the flaws are the most interesting part. And you look at, you know, someone like Spider-Man who is basically a teenage kid who's going through all the grief that we go through as teenagers and then is thrust into, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. I was always going to be my favourite superhero as I grew up as a four-eyed nerd loser. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe one day I could be a Spidey-Man. And, you know, the the X-Men as well... um, you know, they're these sort of troubled kids that, you know, develop their powers at the same time as they're going through puberty and, and getting unwanted boners and that sort of thing. <laughs> and that, you know, that you, you introduce a certain inherent flawedness. And even in, in the DC world, Batman is, you know, incredibly flawed because he's powered by sort of a level of grief and hurt and he's always walk, walking that line between, well, you know, is he, like, is he going to kill this guy? And then he's like, no, no, he doesn't kill because he's... Batman's the best DC character because he's the most Marvel of all the DC characters. Yeah, yeah, he is. And Superman's such a, such a struggle. I, I thought they did a reasonable job... Um, Given that I don't think there's a lot to work with, with Superman, I'd really like it if DC just put Superman out to pasture. It's just, <laughs> I do think you, I don't do think you could make Superman today. Like he's definitely a product of a really unique situation in that he's the first superhero. Um, he's the template that everyone else has built off of yeah. almost, yep. and so you can't help but have a template which is more boring than the stuff that's come into to play in that area. Mm. So it's really hard to make Superman interesting while not changing too much stuff. Yeah, like, you don't want to break the archetype. But you've got to sort of stay true to the heart of a character. Like Spider-Man in the films, like it doesn't bother me that he has organic web shooters or whatever instead of mechanical ones. That's not the soul of the character. Mm. But if he was like, I don't know, on the swim team or something and a super confident kid, then... That kind sort of ruins the, the character. Yeah. And Superman... You know, they fiddle around the edges with stuff. Like he's got like weird, he's like the proper last son of Krypton. He's the, now that he's got all of Krypton living in his bones or whatever. Yeah. Um, and stuff like that. Like they fiddle around the edges with bits and pieces. They could have done more with that yeah. possibly. The, the thing that I, I did kind of like where you do start to see um, a little bit of that flawed stuff is they did kind of take that X-Men approach with his powers coming in when he's sort of, you know, a young kid and he's struggling mm. to deal with that and... 
um, you kind of you get the hints of his parents sort of teaching him that you know you've you've got to control this, you've got to suck it up, you've got to learn how to master your senses, that sort of thing. And I feel like they could have explored that a bit more, and that would have been interesting to see him struggling with that. And you do to a degree, like when you see him lift the bus out of the water, and his dad gets up him about it, and he's like, "Oh, what was I going to do? Let the kids die?" Yeah. Um, and his dad doesn't have a, a, an answer really. He's like, no. "Oh, maybe I don't know." <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Yeah, well, you, you could have. Yeah. Um, I'm still mad that I'm Kevin Costner in my role so small. I don't have time to raise you in actually, the screen time allotted. I actually really dug Kevin Costner in this. I thought he was... I thought he was really I, good. I, I would like really to good. see more of him. And Because I, I really liked, um, was it Martin Sheen in the last Spider-Man movie as, as mm. Uncle Ben? Like He was kind of gritty and I kind of liked Kevin Costner for the same reason. He was He was kind of a bit gruff and he wasn't... You know, this sage oracle of, oh, well, there's a black and white answer for everything. He's like, should I let him die? He's like, eh. It's a toughie. I'm just saying, (laughs) uh, you know, a bunch, a a school bus full of, you know, floating corpses may not have been, may not have been the worst result for this, Clark. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I just, uh, like, I don't know. Did you ever watch Smallville? No, I never. I never really got into small, mostly because I hate Superman so much. Yeah. Which I'm not sure if that's coming through <laughs> in what I've been saying. But yeah, it's a totally good idea for our first podcast. <laughs> um, Smallville was mostly really shit. Yep, and got shitter as time went on. Yep. Uh, but the first season had some really good um, examples of his powers coming in in stages and really tying it together. Yeah, with growing up, like the most. Evocative example, I think, is the heat vision. Yep. Like in the show, he gets heat vision and it's um, a metaphor for boners, basically. Like he <laughs> is sitting in class one day and he gets a hot new substitute teacher and she's like, he just zeroes in on her cleavage and then looks out the window and like it bursts into flames. <laughs> and they her play. Cleavage or the window? Well, the window. <laughs> uh, it's not that kind of show. <laughs> it's not Hannibal. Um, so. That was really interesting to me, the yeah. fact that you use – it's sort of the Buffy model of like turning, like externalising the things you go through as a young person. Yeah. Which to my mind is an example that Superman does have potential to be an interesting character, especially the origin of Superman. At, at the risk of continually dragging this back to Spider-Man. Who <laughs> yeah. is a superior superhero. In every possible way. Is the best. Um, is that Spider-Man is not actually the interesting character. Peter Parker is the interesting character. Mm. Um, and the problem, the, the kind of cool thing with that is that Peter Parker's going through this stuff as he's Spider-Man. And so that's what makes that sort of duality really interesting. The problem that you have with Superman is he's, by the time he's become Superman, is he's mastered all of this sort of stuff. So I think you, you lose you lose the interesting part of Clark Kent. I mean, the, the biggest problem that he generally faces, um, you know, in most media is trying to protect his secret identity, which seems to be fairly easy for him. He puts on a pair of specs <laughs> and vanishes into the background. But the I like the idea of a show like Smallville because I think the really interesting stuff is is the character of Clark Kent and how he comes to terms with... Mm. You know, the fact that he is this superhero. And, you know, I like in, um, I think it's in Kevin Smith's Dogma where they talk about the gap in the Bible where you sort of see Jesus as a kid and then you see him as a 30-year-old man and they talk about well, what was he doing in the, the meantime. <laughs> and he's basically just out coming to groups with the fact that he's the son of God because yeah. that's such a heavy thing to lay on you. And I think there's some really interesting story to be had in the Superman saga there where you – 
you introduce him to the idea that he's the last son of Krypton and then how as a as a 12-year-old kid who just wants to, you know, go out and play bowling and yeah. whatever it is kids do Every these 12-year-old's dream. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not out of touch. No. Um, Love bowling. But, um, you know, dealing with that I think is, is the interesting part and maybe that's where Superman falls down is he's, he's one of the only superheroes that isn't really dealing with a bunch of personal stuff as his alter ego. You, I, I feel a little bit like Superman is the character and Clark Kent is the bit that sits off to the side. Mm. Whereas in the, the other superheroes, like Batman is the character and, uh, sorry, Bruce Wayne is the character to a large part. That I need to rephrase this because I've just, I've balls that up big time. <laughs> I think Batman's even more interesting because uh, there's always the, there's the debate about is he Batman or is he Bruce Wayne? Like yeah. there's an argument that Bruce Wayne is the, and especially in the Chris Nolan films, you can argue that all of his, the Bruce Wayne that exists in the public consciousness is easily made up. Yeah. And to his mind, he's Batman. Yeah, and, and Bruce just, Wayne's just the character. And he has to put a Bruce Wayne mask on occasionally so that the newspaper will leave him alone. Whereas Superman, it's pretty much Superman with maybe... Like the Clark Kent thing is just enormously artificial. Like it doesn't yeah. feel like... But how, And how do you test... A character like that, when when they are primarily the superhero and and not the, I guess the the humanity underneath, you can't you can't test somebody that is impervious to pretty much everything physical and, you know, like we said, moral fairly morally incorruptible. Although I did really kind of dig at the end of this film. This is you know massive spoiler alert that he just snaps Zod's neck <laughs> <laughs> like. <laughs> He's, they're, they're fighting and they're, they're beating, beating the crap out of each other and you're kind of like, oh, there's these two guys and, you know, they're both super tough and, you know, one of them's a born warrior and the other one's the, the kind of the newfound hero and you're like, there's, something's got to give here and in the end he just loses it and sort of, you know, rages out and just snaps his neck because he realises that's what he's got to do for the greater good. And you get this kind of peek at maybe he's not completely incorruptible because he... He's quite tormented by the decision. He has a bit of a sook on Lois's skirt afterwards. Um, yeah, I can see, uh, uh, as you're aware, I haven't had the internet on at home since I saw this film. or a travesty. A week afterwards, so I've just been sitting at home crying. Um, but I would be really surprised if there wasn't some vein of nerd outrage out there about the liberties taken with the Superman story oh, yeah. in this film. Yeah given all of the wide-scale changes to the character and the motivations and especially the fact that he, like, kills, kills someone at his the villain, end. which is a Superman no-no. And as we said, he's the template for modern superheroes and their main thing is generally you don't kill people. Yeah. Um, i got to give it credit for the fact that, like, it did shock me, which was good. I had an emotional response to him killing Zod because I was like, oh, fuck, I didn't think that he was going to snap that thing. Yeah. Uh, which was good because up until that point with the film, I didn't find much to connect with. Uh, and by that point, it's pretty clear that this is very much, uh, you know, I keep bringing up the Nolan Batman films, which is fair because Nolan, I think, wrote this one and certainly he f you feel it. Yeah. You feel his involvement in the film a lot. Yep. Um, it's a similar thing where they've sat down and gone, well, this is Superman. We're going to tell... I would imagine this would be... Uh, thought of as a trilogy just because that's the way that films seem to work mm. um the same thing we're going to tell a, a trilogy story and it's going to be 
its own thing and it's not the definitive take on Superman. It is our take on Superman, much like the Batman films end with them like wrapping up Bruce Wayne's story. It's yep. done. This is not comics where you can't ever have an ending. I mean, that's quite freeing. It's quite freeing to know that. Yeah. And I think they reinvent so much of Superman that you can't depend on your previous knowledge of Superman. Yeah. But I think they expect you to. So they, and I've said this to you before, like the end of the film, you don't see Superman, like you were talking about the difference between Clark Kent and Superman. I would argue this movie doesn't have Clark Kent in it at all in any recognisable fashion. Mm -hmm. And really doesn't have Superman in it. I think they say Superman once. Uh, they seem really like they don't want to bring it up or yeah. anything. It's just, oh, he's just this guy, you know. Well, they do that thing with the, the squawk when Lois is about to say, she's yeah. like, oh, yes, maybe it could be... Exactly. So that... Um, yeah, I just feel like those two characters are not present in it and also that I've completely forgotten the point that I was going to make. <laughs> but carry on. We're talking about, you know, standalone kind of stuff and, and reinventing. Oh, oh so that was what uh, I was going to say. Cool. I apologise. <laughs> um, we just edit that part out, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't really see any example of him out in the community. Like I would have liked a bit of a cheesy sort of, you know, stopping a bank robbery, bullets bouncing off him, flicking a guy in the face, some kind of... Showing that he's actually helping the world as opposed to being an alien who's just fighting off the other aliens. And the narrative in the public in this film would be that an alien hid amongst us for ages until his buddy came to pick him up and then he beat him so hard that he killed millions of people. <laughs> and I, th I think at the end of this film they assume, they let you assume that, sup that he's Superman now. Like yeah. he's going to be loved by the community because he's Superman. Yeah. But he's not Superman because they've reinvented Superman. So you're not allowed to change everything about a character but then not do you due diligence in telling us who this character is mm. by assuming that we already know who the character is, and if that, that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. And, you, you know, you hit on, a, hit on something really interesting that there's a hell of a lot of carnage in this film. For You know, yeah. you generally see Superman going out of his way to protect innocent people. And in this, like, he, they basically destroy Smallville. Like, that town is just <laughs> stuffed. Their economy is destroyed because he... <laughs> They have this massive fallout punch on and they just – he seems to have as much disregard as the other Kryptonians do. They're just throwing each other through buildings and blowing up petrol stations and tipping over trucks and they do the same thing when they fight in Metropolis and you can't help but think that the death toll is just massive. Like This movie – you make a really good point. This movie made me feel – old and boring because they're having this huge fight and it is it should be said it's spectacular yeah but i was distracted the whole time by like 10 million people must have died <laughs> and that's why i'm like because i remember when the first trailer for this came out and you've got superman in handcuffs yeah and i got really angry because i'm like i don't need to see another i don't need to see a fucking film where the story is will people trust superman because of course they'll trust Superman because it's bloody Superman. Yep. All right. He's Superman. We've said he's boring because he's so Superman. <laughs> um, but then this movie actually, it's not Superman. This movie manages to make him so different that by the end of it, as I've just said, I'm mad that they assume that he will be loved when I don't think he's earned it. Yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't done anything because other than just trash the place that, and like, snap another dude's neck. Because I just keep seeing, I just, you, what I think about the ending, and I just go, at some point, Superman would have passed through the brain of a person while another person looked. Yeah. Like he would yeah. have been punched through a building, and a dad's there going, like, don't worry, John, it's all going to be okay. We're going to go back to small. <laughs> and like Superman just flies through him at super speed and atomizes his skull. 
And this guy's going to like live tweet at hashtag <laughs> red and blue alien menace or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> and I worry the next movie is going to start with him floating down and people going like, yeah, Superman. I don't know. They at least need to start the next movie with him bringing a symbolic girder down to rebuild Metropolis being like, oh, sorry. I didn't. <laughs> sorry you know who the villain's going to be in the next film? is going to be that kid <laughs> whose dad was like, don't worry about it. And then he's just been exactly. atomized and this kid's standing there. Like the, I think the pre-credits scene in the next film is going to be that little kid standing there with his dad's like bowels splattered <laughs> all over his face just going, damn you, Superman. That's right. And then we're going to get the subtitle, 20 years in the future. <laughs> and he just he goes, damn you, Superman, looks down, there's like a green rock on the ground. And like, <laughs> 20 years later and it's just Clark Kent's grave. Yeah. <laughs> I did like the absence of kryptonite. I like that they used Kryptonian. It forces people to try harder when they're making these films by not being able to rely on Lex Luthor being able to stab him in the back yeah. or whatever. Like yeah. you can't. I would be if this follows the Dark Knight thing, and we get Lex Luthor in the second film. Mm. I hope they don't introduce Lex Luthor and Kryptonite. Like I hope that they introduce Lex Luthor in a like let's test Superman in a non-physical way properly. Yeah. And that's well, and that's kind of you know that's kind of what they did a little bit with the Joker in in the second Nolan Batman film that I really mm. liked was he he tests him he he tests his morality. Um, and he tests his ability to deal with someone who's just completely unhinged. It's not a strength thing. So I think we've, you know, we've really seen the the strength thing. And after the movie, you know, you and I were talking about, well, where do you take it from here? Like you can't really have a villain that is stronger than Zod because Zod's like, you know, he's bred to be a warrior. Yeah. Um, he's Kryptonian. He's got the same superpowers um, and he's just evil well he's not he's not even really evil he's you know I, I really like the bit with zod where he says um you know about how i was bred to be a warrior my my only goal in life because you the part of the backstory for those of you that haven't seen it is <laughs> if you're still um, listening sorry <laughs> if we haven't spoiled enough for you is you know the whole story about how um on krypton they they breed people for a specific purpose and you're you're born to be a scientist or a soldier or, you know, a truck driver for McDonald's. Um, <laughs> and Superman's the first one for Evs yeah. who got burned. Uh, burned? Burned. Borned. Born. <laughs> and he, he he's the first natural birth, so he represents, you know, freedom of choice. But, you know, after um, Superman destroys sort of the last hope of Krypton, Zod really sort of goes a bit mental and he says, you know, my one purpose in life, my whole reason for existing is to protect my people and my race and you've basically ripped. I think he says like you've you've destroyed my soul or something like that. Yeah. And that's when they go into the big super rage thing. And so you know, I, I kind of like I kind of liked that part of it. That he he's not actually a bad guy. He's just doing what he's been bred to do, which is so often you know the excuse that bad people. Oh, we were just following orders. Oh, I was born to be a soldier. Uh, but they're the best villains, the ones yeah. that you can go. Well, I don't agree with your methods. You're clearly a psycho, but you can at least identify a yeah. point of view. I get, I get where in you're their, coming from. Yeah. In their mind, the movie is called Zod, Man of Zod. Yeah. Or whatever. <laughs> it's like I'm the hero here. I'm trying desperately to fight this guy who. Like ditched his planet just before it exploded yeah. and now keeps ruining everything. Like yeah. it's just a wacky chase across the I universe just, I, to get his friends back to life. I always dig that in um, in How I Met Your Mother, how Barney like is always on about how um, Johnny is is the real karate kid in, yeah. in the karate kid <laughs> movies and they're, 
there's that scene where they're like, and, and who do you go for on the Terminator? And he's like, what is the movie called? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And like Lex <laughs> Luthor, that's the thing. I think I really like Lex Luthor as a villain because when he's done really well, it's about, in his mind, Superman is a threat to humanity yeah. in a huge macro scale. Like pers- if, different perspective. Yeah, if Superman saves us from everything then evolution ends yeah. because we have no need to look after ourselves. Mm. And, I mean, there's a lot of other stuff, like Lex is in charge and then he's not, that sort of thing. Mm. But when that's the vein that's being mined with that character, I find it really good. It gets less interesting when he's like, I'm going to make money on the real estates or whatever. <laughs> As you said, this whole movie is devoted to the origin. But I really feel like they gloss over the origin. They don't really punch up any... They do the Chris Nolan thing where they're like, you need to feel fear now because drums. But... <laughs> 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 but um, I don't know. Like he's his suit instead of his mum, like stitching it for him. It's just in the cupboard. See, I actually it's I, in an ancient cupboard. I really, really liked that. I really liked that the suit was like his, you know, traditional family um, outfit or whatever that had been saved for him as an adult. Because um, you know, when it, one of the things that's always kind of bothered me about his mum sewing the suit is you like this thing would get destroyed. The dude flies at supersonic sound. <laughs> And you're telling me that his old bitty mother out in Kansas is going to sew him something out of something she got down at the local store, which, by the way, he's probably just thrown someone through and destroyed. <laughs> and that's going to stand him flying at Supersonic. The suit's always bothered me with Superman, the fact yeah. that it's basically just like her. So I really like the fact that the suit was Kryptonian in origin. You're like, oh, that's why he can fly into space with it and it doesn't, you know, burn up on re-entry or whatever because it's made from something you beyond make... this world. <laughs> I think you make a really good point. I just wish it was uh, – I just think they've swapped it for, yeah, that rational reason. Yeah. But they've lost the emotion of the thing. Yep. I think there would have been a way to achieve that but have his like – They could have done something a bit more dad. than, oh, yeah, yeah, by the way, here's the, here's the family wardrobe. Yeah. Just, you know, like strap it's, it on, son. It's a three-hour origin film which really glosses – like it sounds like they sat down at the beginning and plotted out all the stuff – but then we're just super bored. So they just didn't fucking worry about it. <laughs> Who gives a shit? They were like, oh, yeah, so he needs to learn to fly. Um, so, yeah, he does three Hulk jumps and then flies. Yeah. Um, I'm really enamored with the idea that he's never flown before just because he never thought about it. Yeah. You know, like he's always allowed to fly, but why would you think about flying? I mean... You wouldn't. If you grew up on Earth and you had no idea who you were, where would it enter your mind to fly? So I like mm. that idea, but they don't underline it. They don't make a point of it. The, the other thing that I did really like about it was they removed the whole aspect of Lois sort of finding out who – like he's basically revealed to Lois straight away and she's like, oh, like he's revealed as Superman and then she finds out that his kind of alter ego is yeah. Clark Kent rather than she meets Clark Kent and then, oh, there's this mysterious stranger and – yeah, and he consciously decides that there will be two, there will be any kind of alter ego right at the end. Like yeah. through the movie, he just naturally goes, oh, well, I suppose I'm Superman now. Like he doesn't yeah. think about the long game. doesn't think, oh, no. I should probably buy some specs and I, <laughs> just in case. And I kind of dig on that because, again, I, I think that succeeds in introducing flaws into, mm. um, you know, potentially unflawed character is that he, he doesn't really – it doesn't really have a big picture view of things. Whereas I think previously you've sort of seen this thing where he's, you know, very made this very conscious decision of, well, I've got these superpowers and I'm going to save the world. And, you know, you, you see the bits in the flashbacks when he's a kid 
and he's kind of like, oh, well, I don't know, am I supposed to do good things? And his dad says, well, you've got to decide what sort of man you want to be and, you know, tries to instill those basic kind of home truth sort of lessons in him. Um, but does he though? Well, <laughs> up to the <laughs> point where he just says to him, you know, stay back and just watch me die yeah. so I can save the dog. What's, what's his dad's name? Um, uh, uh, pa Kent. Yeah, what's, it, what's his first name? Pa. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jonathan. He, Jonathan. Jonathan Kent. Um, you know, he s- saves, the, saves the dog <laughs> and sacrifices himself because he wants Clark to stay in the closet, which yeah. I don't know how much we want to get into the symbolism of... I think we'll just let that <laughs> metaphor go by, frankly. Um, and then, so he sacrificed himself and then Clark watches him die and is quite emotionally affected by it. Unlike Mark Kent, <laughs> who just... <laughs> Can't even be bothered rolling yeah. a tear as <laughs> Kevin Costner just stands there and lets a twister suck him up. She gets up more upset when someone breaks her roof. Yeah, <laughs> and then, um, and then you know, we flash forward twenty years, and they've got a different dog. I mean, yeah. you could have at least left the dog around to kind of anchor us to the memory of Jonathan. No, but no, not I, to, not to be. <laughs> that was the only bit of the film. Like this is a film where Superman murders his first adversary yeah. right that could potentially a couple of years ago i would have comic book guy myself <laughs> across the internet saying this isn't my superman Nerd rage but the only part of this film that made me go i refuse to connect with that <laughs> i i disagree that that is the case <laughs> that is not occurring in my film that i'm watching is the whole thing with his dad the only lesson his dad teaches him and he teaches him over and over again directly causing his death is do not be yourself <laughs> Like, no way. The, the general convention is that he could have been... Like, if you grew up on Krypton, there's the potential he could have been a mad zod. Like, he could have... Yeah. If he'd come in when he was 16, he could be... And his dad's even like, oh, he'll be, he'll be a god. Don't worry about it. Like, yeah. he's not sending him there to be an all-American Boy Scout. He's sending him there to, like, lead the way from the front as bloody Jesus. And this movie yeah. is, makes no mistake about the fact that he is actually Jesus. <laughs> um Maybe that's what the beard's about. Yeah, but the idea is that I've always liked and it's my one sort of, this is the way I want it to be and I'm the nerd so you have to do what I say. But I like the idea that it is being raised in Kansas by like a kindly couple. Yeah, that instills humanity in him. Like it's the human parts of him that set him apart from Zod. It's almost the only thing. Yeah. So... When his whole dynamic with his father is that he keeps saving people and his dad keeps telling him to fucking cut it out. <laughs> like, how does that jive with that as an idea? It's like, oh, I just, I just save people because I'm inherently good. I can't help it. And his dad's like, well, fucking give it a miss, all right? Just let yeah. the children drown, Clark. Cut that shit out, man, because someone complained that you saved a bus. Yeah. And then he gets a broken ankle in a hurricane and he's like, just stay there, indestructible son. Here's the other thing that bothers me about that scene. Now, I don't know about you, but... If I'd broken my ankle and the choice was to walk on a broken ankle, which, you know, I've, I've rolled ankles before and yeah. I've, I've had to strap ankles from sporting injuries and that sort of thing. And I have heard of sport. And, <laughs> and it hurts. You know, I've had inflamed Achilles and that really, really hurts to walk on. But if I have to choose between walking on that and putting up with that pain to get back to my wife and son and my dog which is obviously <laughs> worth risking my life to save. Yeah. Or He probably talked to that dog three times in deleted scenes about just do whatever you want, be yourself, dog. <laughs> the alternative is to get sucked up into a hurricane and killed. 
I'm going to put a bit of pressure on the ankle. Yeah, you know, I I'm, so. I'm going to say I'm going to suck this up because that bridge is is about 250 meters away, and I, I reckon I reckon I can I reckon even if I made it 100 meters and then got sucked up, at least the, the last message that I've given to my son is just give it a red hot go. Yeah, uh, as opposed to <laughs> don't you know don't don't let anyone yep. know who you are. For me, I'm I'm just going to look sad as. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Make sure that every time you save a human life, you feel embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should wrap this up. Yeah. So uh, how many? I, I think the stars is is a good rating. And and before yeah. before we saw the film, I said to you, what are, what are you giving a pre movie pre screening stars based on what we'd seen of trailers and read about on the internet? And I think you said three and a half. Yeah. And I said three. And what what's your post? I think immediately after the film, I said three. Yeah, I think I've probably gotten depressed and gone down to about two, two and a half. Yeah. As I think more about the fact that it was balls. I'm, I'm, I'm giving it a one and a half to, <laughs> to two. I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed. That being said, if they keep it as a as a standalone film, which we already know they yeah, make, definitely sequel, never happen at all. <laughs> um, I, I probably would have liked it a bit more if it was just meant to be a beginning beginning to end piece. But uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you've been listening to the unrelentingly positive <laughs> podcast. <laughs> That's it. If you're uh, if you haven't swallowed razor blades and um, you know overdosed on something because you're so <laughs> depressed at the world that this Superman movie uh, exists in, then uh, I think you should feel free to give us a listen next time when we hopefully find something <laughs> a little bit more lighthearted to talk about. Yeah.